Podcast. Hello, I'm Lydia Shampoli, and thank you for joining me for another episode of the Creepy Tech Podcast. This week, we are going to do a deep dive into the creation and use of internet and telephone bots. I'm super excited for this episode, mainly because of the interesting situations that internet bots have put us in over the last decade or so. From politics to unwanted phone calls to everyday social interactions, bots have surely changed the way that we behave and the way that we perceive reality. So, let's jump right into it. To keep this episode focused, I'm just going to cover the use of internet bots online. I will cover artificial intelligence in terms of autonomous vehicles and physical robots in future episodes since there is quite a bit to cover and discuss for each of these topics. Now, over the last few years, I'm sure that you haven't missed the increase in conversation about the bots on platforms like Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. The detailed coverage has not only provided definitions for what classifies as a bot, but it has also allowed us to see the impacts, pros, and cons of the introduction of bots to society. There are different classifications and types of bots being used in almost every industry that exists at this moment in time. The basic definition of a bot is, quote, an autonomous program on a network, especially the internet, that can interact with computer systems or users, especially one designed to respond or behave like a player in an adventure game, unquote. The following are additional categories that bots fall into, typically based on the type of work or task that the bot performs. These can be considered good, bad, or neutral depending on the situation and the intention of the bot and the bot programmer. According to botnerds.com, good bots are as follows. Number one, chatbots. These are bots that just interact with users. It's usually obvious that they aren't a human being, but the use of machine learning is quickly making this less obvious. Number two, crawlers. Crawlers, or also called spiders, are used to collect information like website URLs used for indexing or organizing information for search engines. They are usually focused on their task and they carry out predetermined tasks, working typically in the background. Number three, transactional bots. These are bots that act as an agent to a human being. They're typically used in customer service or online support or even administrative assistance or those telephone calls that you've been getting incessantly lately. They carry conversations with users to set up appointments, direct users to other resources, or to complete a purchase or transaction. Number four, informational bots. These are bots that are used to provide helpful information by pushing notifications or directing users to updates and breaking news. You most likely have seen this on, on Twitter quite a bit. Um, I think that's one of the places that uses it the most currently. And then number five, entertainment bots. These are bots that, are, that can also be called art bots or game bots. You typically see these in video games where you essentially play against a computer. Like old school entertainment bots would be something like on solitaire. Now, even though the above are classified as good, that doesn't necessarily mean that they can't be used for tasks that may be considered bad. For example, I'll cover later how Amazon used a type of bot to gain the upper hand on a company and their profits, which resulted in them actually getting to buy that company for pretty cheap. Bad bots, on the other hand, are typically created with negative or bad intentions from conception to implementation. 
The programmers creating these bots typically identify an end goal and create the bot with the directives that will cause harm to the user or the network that they implement the software on. The types of bots that are categorized in the bad section include the following. So number one, hackers. And as the name states, hacker bots are created to distribute malware, deceive individual users, attack websites or entire networks. Once a computer is hacked by these bots, they can be used for almost anything that can be done online. You may hear these infected computers being called zombies, and if an entire network is hacked, those are referred to as botnets. Number two, spammers. If you have an email address, I'm sure that you've had the pleasure of receiving hundreds of emails promoting products or services that you never requested. These emails are sent by spam bots, and their goal is to drive traffic to content on websites or drive traffic to specific websites. Spam bots are also used in online forums or blogs for this same reason, to lure an individual user to websites selling products or services for an, a specific individual or company. Number three, scrappers. These are the bots that steal content, so they steal things like your name, your email addresses, images online. This content is then used to fill up other websites with your stolen information, but without credit to you. So this could also include things like blog posts, which we see circulating quite a bit with less and less information each time around. All right, and number four, impersonator bots. These bots mimic human or website behavior, which makes it extremely difficult for a user to distinguish whether they're interacting with a human being or whether they're really on the website that they think that they're on. Currently, the most discussed type of impersonator bot is the phishing bot. These bots attempt to trick users into providing their personal information, things like your login credentials, social security numbers, or bank account information, with the intention of using that information to post on your behalf or for collecting the information for hackers to either sell on the dark web or to use to steal your identity and then use to open new lines of credit as discussed earlier this season on episode 5 where we covered public Wi-Fi and the dangers of public Wi-Fi. So if you haven't listened to that one yet and you would like to know more about how your identity can be stolen, just go back to elshampole.com and you can catch up on all those episodes. This is just a brief list of the types. Some say that there are more categories while others say that the list can be condensed and simplified based on the intersection of tasks, which does end up resulting in a lot less categories. I'll stick with the above list for the purposes of this episode. The use of bad bots has proven to be a lucrative move for hackers worldwide. Over the last five years, there has been an increase in phishing emails that resulted in hackers holding the data of many companies hostage until a ransom was paid. And I'm pretty sure most of you heard about this. Uh, hackers got into hospital systems, large data companies, that kind of thing. And in one case, hackers even used phishing to steal over $100 million from Facebook and Google employees. Now, we didn't see a lot about this on the news, and I'm pretty sure it's because Facebook and Google don't want that information just spread about media outlets because that would look bad for them. The most recent case is actually detailed in an article from CNBC. This article is from a couple of days ago, which is around March 27th of 2019, and the article states the following. Evaldis 50 pleaded guilty last week to wire fraud after helping to orchestrate a scheme that included setting up a fake business and sending phishing emails to employees of Facebook and Google. 
This scheme ultimately duped those multi-billion dollar companies out of more than $100 million in total between 2013 and 2015. Evaldez reportedly created a fake business that pretended to be the real Taiwan-based Quanta Computer Company, where he placed himself as a sole board of directors member. He also opened and controlled a bunch of other bank accounts to handle the transactions of this fake company. Now, once he created this company, he began creating fake invoices totaling over $100 million that he sent via email to employees at Facebook and Google. These employees, under the belief that they were sending payments to Taiwan-based Quanta Computer, authorized the payments and sent the money to his fraudulent bank accounts. Both Facebook and Google were able to recover their money soon after the hack, and both companies are now cooperating with law enforcement as the trial continues. Evaldez is due for sentencing on July 24th of 2019, and he faces up to 30 years in prison. And this isn't the first time that huge companies have fallen victim to phishing scams. According to the same article, last year, an Indiana couple was sentenced to six years in prison each after they stole more than $1.2 million worth of consumer electronics from Amazon by scamming the e-commerce giant's return policy. This is scary for quite a few reasons, one of which is if these large companies with huge cybersecurity departments are having a tough time identifying phishing scams, what does that mean for us everyday individuals? Even though the average individual doesn't have large sums of money to entice hackers to target them, the things that we do have of value are still pretty tempting to hackers. Things like our identities, meaning social security numbers, credit cards, and credit lines, or even things like access to our social media accounts are all fair game and extremely valuable to the right person. Hackers can use phishing emails and fake websites to gain access to our computers, which they can then use to spread malicious malware through any network we connect to. This expands their user reach and the information accessible to them. As discussed in episode 5, our credit cards, social security numbers, and behaviors online are also extremely valuable to hackers. They can sell our information on the dark web or even use our social media accounts to spread hate speech and influence how society thinks by posting targeted content. Quite recently, there was an intense conversation surrounding Russian hackers using social media to influence the U.S. and European elections. During the 90 minutes of the U.S. 2016 presidential debates, bots were used to flood social media platforms with divisive tweets and posts. These bots used hashtags to hijack trending topics and to change the narrative. Now, because at the time, to our knowledge, the use of bots to influence entire elections is something that had either never been done before or had never been noticed. As a result, companies now had to create a way to collect and analyze all of the posts made during that election debate. A company named Canberra put its computer scientists to this specific task following the election and these results completely surprised them. According to an article on the Sydney Morning Herald, and their website is smh.com.au, which made me giggle a little bit. Anyways, according to this article, Canberra began analyzing the more than 6.4 million tweets that circulated during those 90 minutes. Researchers at the Australian National University found bots were on an average about two and a half times more influential than people. These tweets and posts, which had the pattern of being very strongly pro-Republican and were posted by bots impersonating American Republicans, were more likely to become viral, meaning that they reached an astounding number of unsuspecting individuals. 
and due to the large influx of bot posts, it became extremely difficult to know which information was true and which information was actually created to spread a false narrative and misinformation. The same article also states that bots also appeared to target their content towards a real-life influencer, especially Republicans, in the hopes that they would be shared with a larger following. Not only that, by targeting high-ranking politicians or people who do have an influencer base, then they were basically guaranteeing that the content they were spreading would be more trustworthy to people. People wouldn't second-guess the accuracy of the information. The bot programmers went as far as creating fake accounts, impersonating individual state Republican parties, like the Tennessee Republican Party account, under the name 10 underscore GOP, who posted a tweet which was later shared by a former Donald Trump advisor, General Michael Flynn. In January, Twitter reps confirmed that over 50,000 Russian-linked accounts used their platform to post automated content about the 2016 election. And as a consequence of this widespread use of bots, we won't ever really know how the election would have played out, especially because none of these companies were ready or looking for this kind of behavior online. So they didn't have the data on hand immediately. Individuals must consider the information they are receiving on large social media platforms. Even though we all know that the use of misinformation and propaganda surrounding official elections is a tactic used by all political parties, it is frightening to realize that entire countries and governments are becoming so adept at creating information and narratives that seem extremely honest and real. What's even more frightening is that we as human beings are currently at the mercy of technology. This may be due to the fact that what we use to judge what is the truth no longer applies since the introduction of bots and social media platforms. We no longer have the regular cues such as body language or regulations that require individuals to prove their identities before creating profiles online. Additionally, because we tend to pull away from ideas or individuals that we don't agree with, the social media platforms we use have also become places where we only see what we agree with. We have essentially created bubbles around us that reinforce our ideals, our morals, and our beliefs. Meaning, it's less likely for us to see ideas or beliefs on these platforms that we disagree with. And when we do, we actually leave the platform or we begin to engage in strong, very aggressive conversations online. In, in my opinion, we aren't being challenged anymore, which in my opinion makes us complacent and very easily influenced. When we stumble upon posts from bots that seem to have a large following or many people agreeing with them, we're conditioned to follow along. This can result in us beginning to believe that since these people typically have opinions that I agree with, that message is now something that I could believe too, that I could convince myself to believe very easily. The election has been one of the most shocking and most covered examples of how bots can change our reality. But there are countless other situations that these bots have been used to covertly influence our behavior. Another example is the use of bots to inspire fear and influence our financial decisions. Retailers like Walmart and Amazon may be using scrapper bots to go through their competitors' websites, collecting data on how much certain products are sold at. They then use this information to undercut their competitors and to pull customers away from their competitors and to their sites and stores instead. Sure, this is a good thing for you, the customer, 
But the impact on other businesses is huge. And if you're a small business like diapers.com, you should be extremely worried because that did not play out well. In early 2009, Amazon founder Jeff Bezos sent his senior vice president to a lunch with Diapers.com owners. The senior vice president warned the owners that Amazon was considering getting into the diaper business and that they should consider selling to Amazon instead of becoming a competitor. And this wasn't a suggestion. This was a very aggressive tactic to get Diapers.com to sell to Amazon. When Diapers.com owners refused the offer, a war quickly began. And shortly after, they began noticing that not only was Amazon selling diapers, but Amazon was also undercutting their prices by up to 30%. Customers began moving in large numbers, and it wasn't long before diapers.com couldn't make enough of a profit to keep their company alive. So they became very desperate to find a solution to this problem. So Amazon was using bots to crawl the diapers.com website and was collecting all of their pricing data. Then they used this to continuously change Amazon prices, enticing customers to leave diapers.com. When diapers.com began talks with Walmart about selling, Bezos reportedly told them that he would drop diaper prices to $0 if he had to. Amazon could take the hit, but diapers.com just couldn't. And by November 8th, 2010, Diapers.com made a deal with Amazon for the sale of their entire company. This same scenario can also happen to consumers. Imagine if Amazon is, is the only place you can buy a product that you need for everyday life. Or if a pharmaceutical company is the only one providing a certain medication that you need to live. These companies can scour the internet, collecting data on where else their product is being sold as well as how much you need their product. They can raise their prices so high that you have no other choice but to pony up. And the crazy thing is, due to the size of companies like Amazon, they can easily influence the very regulations that are meant to protect us from situations like this. And even though the government has rules and regulations in place that protect consumers from companies monopolizing the market, these regulations currently don't take into account the changes that have taken place in technology companies over the last decade. In addition to bots that scour the internet for pricing changes and trends in consumer behavior, we now also have to worry about the fake reviews and companies paying search engines for higher rankings. An Inc.com article claims that, according to one survey, 74% of consumers say that positive reviews make them trust a local business more. It's truly the new word of mouth and you can influence any conversation. But due to the rise of fake reviews posted by bots, it's become extremely difficult to judge which reviews to trust. As a customer, this means that every time you are online shopping, your money is at risk. You may end up paying for an electronic device on Amazon and end up receiving a faulty product. And if you pay with a method that isn't insured or purchase a product on that site that does not provide insurance or a money back guarantee, that loss is all yours to bear. So how do we protect ourselves as, as consumers, small business owners, or social media participants against the bot effect? Well, as consumers, we can take one or all of the following steps to protect us a little bit more. So number one, be cautious what you open and click on. Even though that email looks authentic, remember that most companies won't ask for or transmit personal information like your credit card, social security number, or login information through email. If you doubt that an email is authentic, 
you can Google the business or establishment, find their official information like a phone number or address, and either go there or call them directly to make sure that they actually sent you that email. And one tip is never use the contact information provided on the email to contact the company. It's most likely fake as well and would just be directed to the person trying to get your information from you. Number two, if you clicked a link in the email and typed in any information, you need to immediately change your passwords on every place you have ever used that login information. If it was on your business email account, you need to immediately inform your employer and the IT department so that they can begin to assess and control the damage. Number three, you need to get an, a trusted antivirus to protect you from malicious files. And this is just something that we should all have. Number four, always search for more than one website to look at reviews on a product that you're considering purchasing. You need to watch YouTube videos, ask people in your life if they have had that product and their thoughts on it, and go through companies' BBB profiles to see any claims that have been made or active disputes. If you do end up buying a faulty product, report and review the product on the sites that it's sold on so that others can be wary. And number five, never believe that IRS phone call. The IRS does not call you, threatening to imprison you, and they will not resolve any outstanding IRS payments on the phone. If you are unsure, go to the government IRS website, find the contact information, and call them with that information about that call. You need to also call your local police department to report the caller and provide their contact information after you report it to the IRS, of course. All right. While these handful of tips won't assure that you never get hacked or fall victim to identity theft, they'll definitely make your information a little bit more secure. Moving on. So as a small business owner, bots can significantly impact your business by posting negative or fake reviews. You can do the following to stay ahead of the damage. Number one, you need to check your reviews often and respond to any negative reviews in a calm manner and thank good reviewers for their input. This shows customers that you are an active business owner and that you do care about your customers. It also shows that you take critique well and are striving to improve your products or services based on their input. Number two, you can always report fake reviewers to the site that hosts the review. You need to be able to provide documentation, especially in cases where that customer never came to your establishment or bought your products. Remember, a bad review is only made worse by the owner lashing out at the customer. The way you handle the situation could do much more damage than the bad review ever could have. And number three, keep documentation for at least three years to protect you in future cases where a customer may claim fraudulent behavior or lash out in anger towards you or your business. This is good to have these for a long period of time so that you can protect yourself if ever the need arises. Now, as social media participants, we simply have to remember that just because it's posted by a high-ranking politician or celebrity, or even if it's just retweeted or reposted by thousands of people, that doesn't necessarily make it true. You need to always research something before you jump on the bandwagon. And it's pretty easy to assume that others are researching before they post, but that's also not always true. So, 
research, research, and then research some more before you believe anything that's posted online. And I know part of the fun of social media platforms is that we can quickly get information and entertainment. But with the advancements in technology and the increase in misinformation, we can no longer be naive participants. We must take control of what enters our minds and what we believe by responsibly doing the work to find the truth. So that's basically all I have for you this week. I truly hope that you found this interesting. As always, if you have a story about your interaction with a company, gadget, or app that you would like to share with either me or Creepy Tech listeners, send an email or your audio clip over to wyn at elchampole.com and I will feature it on an upcoming episode. You can find the Creepy Tech Podcast on Instagram at tech underscore creepy or on Twitter at tech creepy. You can also find the show notes previous episodes or me Lydia at elshinvalet.com thanks for joining me for this week's episode be sure to tune back in next Tuesday and if you have a moment head over to the iTunes store and rate review and subscribe Creepy Tech Podcast 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 Podcast